more than a woman more than a woman to me song got stuck in my head it's like going on tiktok right now okay that's why <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i was on tiktok right before this uh, yeah when am i not on that let's <laughs> let's be real <clears throat> i now have a healthy dependency on my phone okay Welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, mishaps. And my name is Kristen. My name is Sarah. Namaste. (laughs) Get back in bed. Yeah, dude, I'm ready to namaste in bed. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's a Monday. It's a day recording. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Oh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Fuck, I forgot about that. And my teacher gave us a quiz today. How rude of him. <laughs> so, you know, it's a day of rest. It's a day recording, so we are, um, we're not day individuals. We, we, we thrive in the night, so, uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it'll be a challenge, but, you know, it's best that we listen to this recording during the day because um, we would have to go to sleep right after this. And I don't think that would be possible. And I like to sleep, so. Mm, is it spooky today? It's a little spooky. It's a little gory. It's a little themed with the Halloween trick or treat. Ha ha. So I guess before we get in, what are what are we drinking today? Um, I have coffee and a White Claw. Hmm. I just have coffee and half of the White Claw, which is water. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Look at me. I'm actually being not me for once. It's great. It's great. I'm trying something new out. You know, I journaled. I joined a cult. it's going really well the burn after writing book I mean I've only today's my first day writing in it but I had to pledge my alliance to their cult before I started writing in it so I mean like do I feel better about myself yeah I now have someone to turn to so let you you know how it goes look at you joining cults look at me just another Monday Mm-hmm. Just simple Monday things. Can't beat it. But speaking of, well, not really speaking of, but it it's, uh, no, it has nothing to do with the cold. I don't know why I said that. But <laughs> for today, it is a little bit of a, um, it's like a, a different theme here. It's something a little different on this podcast, but I thought it would be fun to play a little trick on maybe a friend if you want to play this for them or the people that like to skip the intros before they get into the story because today we are talking about fictional horror so it's not technically real or is it wink wink but 
on my journey in the internet, I found this thing called the SCP Foundation, which I'll get into what it is in a little bit. But it's like this supernatural organization and they have a shit ton of cases that you can sift through on the interweb. And I picked like the top three that scared me the most slash I thought could be somewhat considered the most realistic. So if you really want to play a nice little trick, like, yeah, just bring a friend in and skip all the way, skip the intro and then have them think that this whole thing is real. And it will (laughs) have them shitting their pants at the end of it because it's pretty scary. Oh, So happy spooky season, bitches. Let's talk about the SCP Foundation. (laughs) (laughs) The SCP, according to their website, stands for Special Containment Procedures. So the motto for this organization is essentially to secure, contain, and protect. And what they do is document various paranormal, supernatural, any type of like mysterious, phenomenal cases that happen in the world and essentially try to keep them from having the average everyday human find out about it, run into them. It's kind of like almost a men in black meets supernatural kind of deal. Like Ghostbusters. Yeah, very much so. They do a lot of undercover research in supernatural phenomena, like I said, uh, but it includes anything from like artifacts. They have actual locations to full-blown entities or like demons and actual living beings. Um, So there is actually a website that has all of these creatures that are classified under the SCP that you can sift through. I mean, there is a ton, a ton of them, like hours, hours, hours worth of information. But today I'm just going to go over the top three cases that absolutely scared the shit out of me and uh, made me afraid to get out of this little closet that seems so cool right i really well it seems cool but um honestly when you start getting into the scp like so obviously they're dealing with a lot of supernatural phenomena and sometimes when they like interact with a case or like a creature or whatever they interact with within that case um they will want to like experiment with it or i guess like learn more about it how it works because obviously we're trying to figure out like how the world goes around and sometimes that entails them using what they call like class d subjects or like class d fugitives because essentially what they are are prisoners typically on death row but they'll be like murderers, really, you know, bad people, and they will use them to experiment with these entities. And a lot of times that includes, you know, them, the Class D uh, members being killed. And it was said within the documents that, like, if for whatever reason there aren't any Class D members available, and if there aren't any other, like, jail people in jail for lesser terms available, then they will straight out, like, straight up take civilians and use them for their experiments. So the SCP, it's kind of like one of those moral dilemmas where like they do really shitty things. Obviously, they're taking a small percentage of humans and experimenting on them with these like supernatural cases that they encounter. But they're doing it in the sense of, you know, it's to them, it's one life versus humanity. So, yeah. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, it's cool. I would want to join, but then it's like half the shit that they study can either like kill you or really fuck you up or <laughs> um, you'll just be like doing really fucked up shit yourself. So just depends. So the first SCP case I'm going to be talking about is SCP-1733. Now, this is a DVR recording that is a recording of the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat NBA season opening that happened at the TD Garden on October 26, 2010 in Boston, Massachusetts. So everything about the recording, you know, ran normal. The game went fine. They relet the recording out, and it was on a Facebook thread that a Boston native whose name was redacted would complain about a technical foul being called in the third quarter involving players Ray Allen and Chris Bosch that never occurred on the original game. Now, the recording happened on October 27th, so it was the next day after the game had happened. He said in the comment, you know, like, hey, I watched this game yesterday and, you know, re-watching it in this thread, that foul, I'm almost positive, did not happen. Like, that's really weird that that's in this recording because, you know, that didn't happen in the game. Hmm. And so the SCP, you know, has people working in social media and has agents looking over posts that are made on social media, kind of to see, you know, like the Dear David story or to see any type of people posting supernatural phenomena, basically to see if like they need to go in and investigate themselves. It's like one of their biggest ways of finding cases today. They decide to look in the thread and they say, hey, you know, something is a little weird. So having agents as, you know, social media that work as social media moderators for agencies like Facebook, Instagram, all the big ones, they would actually go in and delete the thread and procure all of the IP addresses of everyone that was involved in that original thread. And they would even go as far as administering what they would call Class A amnesthetic, which... I just think drugs or I think like the men in black, that little light thing that they flash and it like makes you forget something like that. Or like (laughs) in some of the cases that I read, sometimes you can take a certain drug and I believe it was called an anesthetic. I don't remember, but it can help like the side effects of, you know, meeting one of these entities because sometimes like even just encountering one can like cause you to kill yourself or do something crazy. I don't know. It's weird. But either way, they would recover the audio and they would begin to study, why did this happen? Why is this recording showing something that didn't actually happen? And what they found in the study was like downright fucking weird and like out of a straight up X-Files movie. Like you're not even going to believe it. So the the first few times that they played this clip... It would only diverge, you know, real slightly from the audio, from the original audio. There would be small things like different fouls, maybe like a point or two difference in the total score, but nothing really significant. But then after a certain amount of time, it's undisclosed how many. 
the players in the recording seemed to gain some type of residual memory that, you know, they had played these games previously. And eventually everyone in the audience started becoming aware of, you know, their existence within this recording. Though it was said that they didn't realize that, you know, they were in a recording. They just realized that, you know, hey, I think think that this is a reoccurring incident that I'm experiencing, like a weird sense of deja vu. They were even becoming so aware of the fact that it was a reoccurring memory that by playback 34, the players would take over three and a half minutes to even make a score on either side, though in the playback, the players would chalk it up to like a sense of intuition, like, oh, you know, I'm just a really good basketball player. I just knew what was going to happen, and that's why it took so long. Huh. I don't watch basketball. I don't know these things. I'm guessing that the, or (laughs) according to this, the Celtics originally won the game, but after 26 recordings, the Miami Heat would finally beat the Celtics, and in a playback that occurred after game 26, the when the Celtics would win, the Celtics coach would say in the playback, you know, like, I feel really happy to have won this game. I feel like, you know, I had a really big atonement. I, need, I had something that I needed to make up for. So as these researchers are rewatching this playback over and over, they're just seeing the progression of these people in the recording, like becoming more aware of what is going on. Uh, we're all in a simulation. <laughs> oh my god, like that's <laughs> it's so bad. So like I said the commentators you know talk about having a sense of deja vu in the recording and uh, every game it would seem to get a little bit more aggressive. So when the Celtics had lost that first game, there was the people in the crowd were like throwing food at the players. It was getting um you could just see the hostility in the playback start to increase by recording 44 there would seem to be a shift and for whatever reason the team would come out and be so disoriented and confused that they wouldn't even end up playing the game it would in fact just end up getting suspended it would the cameras would pan to the players as they were telling medical professionals like you know I feel like I've really already played this game and it would the playback would end with um the cameras like going over or like commentators in the crowd talking to different people in the crowd obviously because the game is canceled like they didn't have anything else to do and they would be interviewing people in the crowd and they too would say you know like I've had dreams of this happening before and the playback would end with these people talking about the nature of their dreams Mm. so (laughs) i sound crazy just saying this i know but hear me out in the next recording that researchers uh watched the players would just straight out refuse to play they're like no i have played this game before i'm not playing this anymore like uh, i i don't want to do this People would even start to make their way to the doors in the stadium to see if they could open them so they could leave because, you know, there's not a game going on and the doors Mm -hmm. won't budge. (gasps) You could slowly start to see crowd members make makeshift, makeshift weapons in order to try and pry the doors open. 
And one of the last things that you would see in the recording was the cameramen like trying to like setting the cameras down and I guess trying to dismantle them in some way that they could use to open the door. And it said that um, after that playback, all of the playbacks after that came from like a really staticky point of view, even though like every time they started a new recording, the people in it, the people in the recording went back to how they were you know, at the beginning, even if something dramatic happened, they would be back in their seats like nothing ever happened. But it was just that residual memory of something happened. They just don't really know what. But for whatever reason, after they fucked with the cameras in that one recording, the cameras didn't really seem to make a full recovery. It was just seen through like a static one shot after that, after all those playbacks mm-hmm. happened. And a trigger warning here, because this is where the tale starts to get really gory. In playback 51, they realize that there is no way out of this, that they are essentially like in some type of weird fucking simulation. And they are just bound to relive this day over and over and over again. Uh, There would even be a physical altercation in section 318 of the TD Garden between a group of drunk college boys and one older man. The altercation would end end with the older man being knocked unconscious. (gasps) And this recording, recording 51, is the first instance of anything violent happening in the playbacks. But like I had mentioned before, when they started the recording for playback 52, the old man or the older man would appear back in his seat you know unharmed like nothing had happened though he seemed to have remembered something because it seems almost as in like retaliation he would ambush and bludgeon one of the guys that attacked him and he would even end up killing him at the (gasps) 34 minute and 12 second mark oh my god by playback 55 people in the stadium started to recount things like family members outside of the stadium or like I guess their life outside of being in this game and you would see them even trying to you know grab their cell phone and make I don't know if there were cell phones back then I don't know what year no no yeah yeah sorry this isn't early 2000s 2010s Uh, they would like call their cell phones and like try to get in contact with loved ones but none of this was working all systems of contact were just like failing By playback 65, it would start to get straight up apocalyptic. You would have these people called faith keepers that would come forward and they would start spatting out that this is happening because, you know, it's all punishment for the rampant consumerism that's happening in America. And we need to burn our offerings such as mobile phones or car keys or handbags, any kind of like uh, materialistic object that we have you know and if we sacrifice all this then we'll be free uh you would see like as (laughs) for whatever reason the researchers kept playing this recording and so you know they started to see the faith keepers grow in numbers and um but you would see a turn i guess when they realized like these faith keepers faith isn't really doing anything for us and by playback 95 it would turn straight up hedonistic you would see you know sex acts there were a lot of orgies going around you would see violence start to take over um 
within the first 10 minutes of the playback, you would start to have individuals flinging themselves off of the balcony just in order to end it all. And there is a redacted play or so we don't know what playback it is. It is redacted. But at some point, the people in the crowd would actually start sacrificing the players like Paul Pierce and LeBron James with (laughs) saying that, you know, their bodies would be the key out and they would display them on the Jumbotron. And when that didn't work, they would turn to the children in the audience for sacrifice. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, part of me is like, why not start with the children? But (laughs) yeah, I guess because, you know, you're there for the game. You would think, oh, the players are the key. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, true. But finally, at the last play that has been recorded, um, and we don't obviously know what playback that is, but the arena, when they st- played it, would just simply be lit in a deep red color. And Ooh. everything that happened next was expunged. So we don't know. Only the people that watched it do. Oh my goodness. Uh, but I don't believe that, you know, it. there isn't any authorization to watch this playback anymore. I think they stopped after that deep red playback. Um, And what's eerie is it's really the people are only affected in the playback. Like LeBron James obviously isn't dead. You know, he hasn't been sacrificed. And Paul Pierce, like, so the people outside of the recording in real life are completely fine. It's just for whatever reason, this one piece of audio, it, it like something happened to it. And the people in it became aware my god but yeah that is scp 1733 the fucking haunted audio clip of a fucking basketball game between the miami heat and boston celtics like my 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 makes me think twice about going to a ball game right i already had a reason not to like sports now i have an even better (laughs) one so the next case I'm going to talk about is a little bit out of state, out of the country. Uh, out of the country. <laughs> it's not Texan American. <laughs> yeah. So the next case that I'm talking about is out of the country. We are going across the globe. Not really. We're just going across the waters. Um, Northern Italy is where we're headed to talk about SCP-012. Now, SCP-012 was discovered by an archaeologist by the name of K.M. Sandoval, and he was there basically performing an uh, evacuation of a tomb that was located in northern Italy that had been destroyed by a recent storm. Now, while he was there doing his excavation, Sandoval would discover what appeared to be a handwritten musical score, and on it bared the title on Mount Golgotha. It would appear to be incomplete when he first looked at it, and it would seem to have this like kind of dark red, nearly black ink that when he first looked at it, he assumed, oh, this is some type of berry or it's some type (laughs) of natural occurring red dye. But (laughs) no, no, no. When they tested it, they found out, no, it is in fact a score made out of human blood. (laughs) And not just the blood of one person, but multiple 
people. And then some weird shit started happening. I have goosies. I don't know why. So anyone who looked at this score is said to have met a terrible fucking doom. So the original researchers that found this music sheet would descend into madness. But, I mean, I guess you could say, like, it couldn't, it doesn't have to be the cursed score music paper sheet. (laughs) It could be, well, because, you know, like, when uh, whoever opened the tomb, it was, like, the poisonous gases. They're, like, ancient gases and tombs that haven't been breathed in thousands of years. And it can, like, actually kill you, I think, or, like, maybe make you crazy. So, like, maybe that's it. Who knows? But... (laughs) Either way, they would um, try to use their own blood to complete the musical. And when they did this, it would cause major blood loss, obviously, and (laughs) a lot of internal trauma. So like these, I, yeah, for whatever reason, they were like, I gotta, I gotta finish this shit. It's gotta go down in my blood. After allowing other researchers near the musical sheet after this happened, I don't know why they were like, you know what? ancient fumes baby just go right in you've you've had some time to air it out you'll be fine no they weren't fine because they would discover if anyone had managed to finish just a section of the piece they would immediately commit suicide by saying you know this is an impossible piece to finish i simply can't do it and those who have attempted to actually play the piece say there's you know no correlation there's no harmony like it's not a song it's just pure like rackus sound yeah and <laughs> like ugh. i'm like play it backwards maybe that'll do it Ooh, good idea it's even sorry to do this for us but even apparently people that are plagued with its knowledge say that they have nightmares about this which i've only known about this scp for one day and i haven't had nightmares but i also smoke a lot of weed which fucks up my (laughs) rem cycle so i don't know if i'm the best one to to say but either way a lot of these people that hear about the piece or see the piece with their own eyes start to get this weird obsession with this place called alagata which is some extra dimensional city. I didn't even know we had extra dimensional cities, but apparently yeah. there's is one and it's ruled by this person named the Hanged King and yeah, so oh my god, like what the fuck? Like imagine this piece of paper just like dropped out from that dimension and that's why everyone goes crazy. Right? Like but, it's book yeah. a trip. Yeah, right? <laughs> to the <laughs> but, city. It makes every, like, everyone who has it, who has had it, has gone crazy. And there have been some pretty influential people that have apparently been influenced by the power of this script. So, Nero, you know, Roman leader Nero, would Ugh. use it on his lyre. I'm probably saying that wrong. Lyre? Lear? And would this would, when he played this song... On his lyre, Lear, what the fuck ever. I don't even know what I'm saying. He played the song, whatever, caused the death of a shit ton of Roman citizens. Obviously, he was an evil (laughs) motherfucker, but like he used it for his advantage, you know? 
and even Vlad Dracula began writing on SCP-12 after he was cursed by a Romani woman to do so. So you had some, it's like a famous, like, damn, that would go on the black market for a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. Why doesn't Zach Baggin have that in his museum? Right? Come on, Bagel Bites, do something about that. (laughs) I was uh, watching Ghost Adventures the other day, and it was one of his, like, COVID lockdown episodes where... Mm -hmm. They were doing it in his museum, and he took some of his dolls, like his haunted dolls. He grabbed like three or four of them and put them all together to try and stir up activity. And one of the dolls, I forgot her name, but he was like, even just looking at it can cause, you know, mysterious oncomings. And I was like looking at the TV like, curse me i, I want to know <laughs> I, it's so fucked and like i'm starting to get at that point in my life because you know when you're young you're like i'm invincible i can do anything and then when you start to hit 30 you're like oh shit don't do that shit i can die i'm starting <laughs> to get to that point because when i was young i was like fucking haunt me bitch i want to feel it i want to <laughs> know your powers and now anytime it's like haunting audio i'm like nope goodbye so long <laughs> i'm you you know what you don't need to show me that i am totally fine living alone i don't need demonic entities living in my house no thank you nope and there um, aren't already (laughs) well speaking of demonic entities uh potentially just living anywhere really this last one (sighs) scares the shit out of me oh shit uh, my last one that we are going to talk about before I bid you adieu is SCP-847. Now, uh, if the first two scared you, if, um, maybe by chance you're afraid of mannequins or something like that, maybe, like, click off because <laughs> <laughs> SCP-847 is no joke. So, the SCP Foundation became aware of SCP-847 during a federal human trafficking investigation. So on October 23rd, 1983, there was a group of FBI agents that were raiding a basement of an abandoned department store in Las Vegas, Nevada. The basement was filled with these broken on anomalous female mannequins that were wrapped in plastic sheets. And Sarah, I sent you a photo Mm -hmm. from the case of like the photo that they took of when they first found them. If you want to look at it right now. Okay. Oh, my God. Something about mannequins in a department store in Vegas. It's just Ooh. like... <laughs> and I'll post, I'm going to post the photos. Don't worry. Don't worry. Are they, like, hanging? I think they are actually hanging. It looks like they're hanging on some type of... Especially, like, their feet aren't touching the ground, so... At least resting on something. It's creepy. Yeah. So the FBI agents are kind of like walking around trying to see if there are any victims in the area or any type of evidence that they can gather when one of the agents suddenly begins to hear high-pitched whimpering gasps from under this like plastic sheet. Mm. And the FBI agents hearing this think, oh my God, that's a victim, that there's someone that needs help. 
And so they move in to assist whatever is making this noise when all of a sudden, as soon as a female FBI agent gets close, there is a large screech that's let out and one of the mannequins jumps out (laughs) and attacks the female FBI agent. Ah! Now the agent is able to subdue SCP-847 using a stun gun and she was able to be evacuated from the building. I think she's okay. It doesn't really say. I mean, hope you're a good girl. <laughs> but either way, the channels would properly inform the SCP Foundation that, like, there's some spooky shit going on. You need to come here and, like, contain whatever this is. So the SCP makes their way over, and they are able to su- successfully contain this female mannequin, And though, you know, there were signs of human habitation in this abandoned basement, there were no sign of any human traffickers or human trafficking victims that were ever found. So it was like one big mystery as to if someone was living there, who. Mm. Reminds me of when I got locked into Macy's. What? Some friends and I walked in a Macy's one time. Like they closed down, they closed Macy's for the day, not realizing we were still in the bathroom. What time was it? It was in high school. We went to, um, we were going to the Riverwalk for my friend's birthday dinner, and we went into the Macy's at River Center Mall to use their bathroom to like do our makeup and get ready for the dinner and uh because I think we went to like a store or something you know before too and uh this employee came into the bathroom and was like hey ladies like the lights started flickering and she she came in and she was like hey ladies we're closing in um 10 minutes and we're like okay we just need five minutes we'll be out and then (laughs) When we walked out of the bathroom, (laughs) all of the lights were off, and we just, like, walk onto the escalator, and it's shut off, you know, and we're just like, hello? (laughs) And nobody was in there. So, you know how when they, the entrance to the mall, they have those chained gate things that they pull down? Mm -hmm. So we we had to, like, we were banging on the doors trying to get people's attention. My God. And people were just, like, walking by, you know, like, looking at us, like, what are these girls doing? <laughs> and so Like, not, hey, let me help them. Like, <laughs> ew, you're weird. Eventually, we got the attention of a security guard or, like, a mall cop, you know, or, like, Paul somebody Blart. else got them for us. And we were like, hello, we're locked in. And uh, they had to get, like, the store manager to come with her key and fucking release us <laughs> from fucking macy's prison and so we were late the girl whose birthday dinner we were going to she was with us so we were no. late to her birthday dinner because <laughs> we got locked in a macy's oh, that's fucking great that's gold <laughs> i the only thing i would have it's not even similar but one time after a party in high school 
we stayed the night, but we woke up the next morning so hungover. And it was like at that time where, you know, you don't tell your parents what you're doing. So it's not like I could go home right away because we were, you know, at sleeping over at each other's houses and it was like seven in the morning. So there's no like good excuse you have coming home at seven in the morning from a sleepover. So yeah. we decided to go to my old high school or it was my high school at the time to like take a shower and get ready so we could get breakfast tacos and there was one building that like stood off to the side and it was like alone and it was so weird but the bathrooms had like legit showers in it so we knew if we could get into that building we could shower and it would be no problem and like it wasn't locked and so we went in and we took a shower and like we did it one at a time so like one would watch the door the other would shower Mm -hmm. and while I was like taking a shower with this cold ass water I swear like I heard the door open and I was like someone's gonna catch us but I mean no one ever did and oh that was it yeah that was it and then we got (laughs) breakfast tacos it was just my imagination it was it was SCP-847 But yeah, Um, thankfully it wasn't because, you know, once they caught SCP-847 and started to do tests on her, like, you know, SCP likes to do, they would find out that SCP-847 only has a desire to attack females if they come within a 50 meter distance of her. So if it's a male, it's just straight up fucking weird. It's like um, she wants to please them. Oh. Yeah, it's like homegirl needs some hardcore fucking therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> there was a inmate that was com- that was convicted of murders in a sexual nature back in 2013 that was put in a room with her to I guess like see how she would react and she would because even though she's a, a mannequin they would describe I guess what she's made out of like she would she could shatter like porcelain. And she, it wasn't, like, legit organs, but she would have, like, these porcelain, like, organs in her body. It was fucking weird. So she would, like, break her face and remove her brain. She would take out her eyes. She would remove her clavicle to, I guess, like, appease him because he likes fucked up shit. She was like, if I fuck myself up, will you like me? And... He would ultimately be, like, so annoyed with her and whatever. And obviously, when the experiment was over, he left. And (laughs) she would, like... (laughs) And she would stay in the room. And she would write things on the wall, like, I'm sorry, I'm worthless. And, Daddy, I'll be good. Oh. Yeah. And so, like, to this day, she remains in SPC... Found, like, SPC custody... And it doesn't seem like after the 2013 incident, it doesn't really seem like they do any studies on her. It's just she's contained and hopefully she doesn't fucking get out, you know? Hell no. Jesus. But yeah, that is the, that's the SCP Foundation. Those are the top three cases that really scared the fuck out of me. Um, But yeah, I like... These are fucking hilarious, funny, if you couldn't tell fake, gotcha, cases to go through. Um, 
like one of them I had just had to say I fucking laughed there is an SCP I forget the number of it but it's a math book and how it works is like essentially you open the math book and it's blank and you're like oh okay that's silly but then the more you look at it these really really intricate mathematical equations will start to appear on the book but it's like it's not gonna teach you anything other than like how much you suck (laughs) and the title of the book is literally called the numerical proof that you suck (laughs) they literally don't allow like sad boy scp agents to touch the book or look at the book because if you're like really depressed it can actually like get you to kill yourself (laughs) because it's just this like actual scientific numeral evidence as to why you as a human being suck (laughs) (laughs) but yeah guys that's that's it for today i know it's i know it's a little different it's a little uh out of what we usually talk about but with the last case that i did and you know with halloween now here just like to do something different a little spooky and a little fun lighthearted not lighthearted but somewhat good like camp story campfire stories great stories to tell during around the campfire for halloween so you're welcome i got you prepared but yeah definitely check it out off the links down below to the certain cases that i had down in the resources and the show notes just click the little arrow down below like (laughs) says the intro to the episode i don't know apparently some people don't know what show notes are but yeah and it's right there oh but yeah guys until next time be sure to also scroll down a little bit further give us five (laughs) stars leave a little comment about why you like us why you don't and follow us on all of the platforms to see those weird ass mannequin photos that i'm gonna post on twitter instagram tiktok youtube good pods uh oh and buy us a coffee i don't know if we're approved yet one day i don't know either uh at r-a-r-w podcast and send us an email it's bone dry if you want something (laughs) if you want a story we'll we'll do it (laughs) red rum and red wine podcast at gmail.com and we'll see you thursday guys bye cheers um... oh yeah cheers (laughs) cheers to spooky season bitches hell yeah Cheers to getting locked in department stores. <laughs> I seriously, <laughs> and, I can't believe that fucking happened to you. I know. And then I got an MIP that night, too. Oh, God. Just a weird that, day. <laughs> it was just should have taken it as a sign. Okay, bye.